Amen. Hold your Bible. Lift it up. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Starting a brand new series and it's called I Am Redeemed. Someone shout, I am redeemed. The word redeemed simply means you are bought back uh, from Satan's dominion. The Bible says we are translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Amen? So you are bought back by the blood of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? And what a better place to start than to tell you that you belong to a covenant that is different than the old covenant. You belong in a, to a covenant that when the prophets of old would prophesy about it, they would turn around and say, man, we long to see this day where God would turk, where you would uh, uh, take out of the hearts of men a heart of stone and put in there a heart of flesh and put in there his love. And not only that, actually come and dwell amongst us and live on the inside of us. And that's the covenant you and I live in. Amen? It's called the New Covenant. But it's, 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 it's hard to teach the New Covenant to a, a generation that, you know, thinks the Old Testament was so spectacular. You know, just uh, last week we, were, uh, we received an email from someone overseas. They said, uh, Pastor, just uh, God has been talking to me about coming to preach at you guys, and I'd like for you to consider me coming to teach at Faithville Church. That alone was out of place to start with. And then they said, um, because I have a ministry to bring you into the Moses glory. And here I am thinking, man, I'm in the Jesus glory. Why would I want to go back to the Moses glory? You know, Moses longed to see the day that I live in. In fact, Jesus said in Matthew 11, verse 11, the least one in this dispensation, in this kingdom, is greater than John the Baptist, who was greater than Moses and all the prophets of old. That means you have more in you than all the Old Testament people put together. With the Old Testament people, the Holy Spirit will just visit them and go back to heaven. With you, He dwells on the inside of you. And God Himself declared, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Why are you trying to drag me back to Moses' generation? It sounds religious, but it's not true. I remember, man, growing up as a youth, we were trying to come up with an exciting name for our youth group. And then someone said, Joshua Generation. And then we, we got excited. We said, Joshua Generation. Man, that sounds fun. That sounds powerful. It sounds spiritual. But when you read in Scripture, man, the Joshua Generation is way below what you and I have in the kingdom. God lives on the inside of us. Hebrews chapter number 8 Verse 6. Let's put some scripture to these facts. Amen. Someone shout, I am redeemed from sin, from sickness, from poverty, and from the curse. Watch what it says in Hebrews 6, uh, 8 verse 6. But now, when might be now? Now is now, right? He says, but now... He has obtained, he, capital letter H, that's Jesus, he has obtained, past tense, a more excellent ministry. Inasmuch as he is also 
a mediator of a better covenant. Someone say better covenant. So, I mean, the whole book of Hebrews is a comparison of covenants. The new and the old. And he's saying, man, Jesus, this dude Jesus is a mediator of a covenant that is better. And what else does he say? Which is established on better promises. You know why this covenant is better? And is established on better promises? Because it's, these promises are not based on your performance. They are based on Jesus' performance. See, in the Old Testament, you had to meet the standard in your own effort. And no one could meet the standard. In fact, did you know that the law was not given for you to keep it? What? That's what the Bible says. It says the law was given to show you you couldn't keep it. And when you despair about it, you'd start looking for a savior. And then, bam, Jesus becomes relevant to you. But when you think you can save yourself, you don't need Jesus. But when you realize, I know some of you are still thinking, man, Pastor T, I can try and keep the law. Man, the law was so high and holy, no man could keep it. Did you know that if you were left-handed, you did not qualify as a priest? And a priest is a New Testament believer. So you could not qualify as a New Testament believer if you were left-handed. If you had sweat under your armpits, you didn't qualify as a priest. Hallelujah! If you had a pimple on your face, you're in trouble. (laughs) If you didn't stand up straight and had a proper statue, you are in trouble. You couldn't make it. What was God doing? God was trying to show the Old Testament saints that, man, my standard is so high, no man can keep it. You need someone else to keep it for you. And then you put your trust in that man. And that man is called Jesus. When he was hanging on the cross, the three words he said was, it is finished. What was he talking about? He was talking about, I have kept the whole law and it is now finished. The dispensation of the law is now finished. We are going into the dispensation of grace. Let's go to Isaiah 64, chapter number 6. Isaiah 64, chapter number 6 in the... Okay, that's all right. Look it up. These were some, you know, some folk that thought they could meet God's standard. And God looked at it. And he was like, but we all, to them through the prophet, but we are all like an unclean thing. This is God speaking. He said, man, you're all like an unclean thing. All your righteousness... Or righteousnesses are like filthy rags. That's even a conservative translation. The real translation is your righteousness is as a menstrual rag. You know, when you think you've done, uh, uh, you've kept the whole law and you've done it at a, such a high level. You know, you don't drink beer. You don't swear. You've never said a cuss word. You don't even eat donuts. When you think you are so, you are so holy, man, you have kept the whole law. God looks at it and he says it's like a filthy rag. When you, when you are into self-effort, mm. God looks at it and he says it's like a filthy rag. Mm. You know why? Because God's law is so high, no man could keep it. Let's go to Matthew. Matthew chapter number 5, verse 27. Man, I'm trying to show you why you need a savior. Matthew chapter number 5, verse 27 to 28. And then we'll go to James 2.10. Matthew, watch what it says. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. You heard it, right? And Jesus says, but I say unto you, that whosoever, what? 
I didn't hear that. Loose. Come on, say it like a preacher. <laughs> Whoever just looks at a woman to last for her. Pastor, I didn't touch. I was just looking. Look at what he says. Whoever just looks at a woman to last for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. God's standard is so high, he doesn't wait for you to do it. If you think it, to God you're already defiled. Someone shout, I can't do this. That's what I'm trying to get you to realize. That you can't save yourself. That's what I'm trying to get you to realize, that you need a savior. James chapter number 2 verse 10. See, if you look at your neighbor with hate, with rage in your heart, then you know your husband does something crazy to you or your wife and you wake up this morning and you're just full of anger and to God you've already committed murder. <laughs> to our standard is like, but I didn't kill them. God's standard is so high, no man can keep it. James chapter number 2 verse 10. For whoever shall keep the law. If you want to go the, the law, you better keep the whole law. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty of how many? Not only is God's standard so high, God says if you lie, you've already committed adultery, you've already murdered. See, because some of you are thinking, I pastor, all I do is lie, but I haven't killed anybody. <laughs> all I do is lie, I haven't murdered anybody. And God is saying, hey, listen, if you think you are so holy and you quantify your sin as little, well, let me break it down to you. If you offend at one point, you are guilty of them all. Next verse. For he who said do not commit adultery also said don't murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Next verse. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of what? So he's saying, he's trying to get you to realize, hey, you are not under the law. You are now under grace. So speak as the ones who are under grace. Amen? I said amen. amen. Let's go to Galatians chapter number 3 verse 23. So why did God give the law? Why did he give the law when, you know, we are not under the law? He tells you. Galatians chapter number 3 from verse 23 to uh, 25. Watch what it says. But before what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Before faith came. So faith came in a certain dispensation. Do you see that? See the Old Testament people did not live on the basis of faith. They lived on the basis of the law. You and I live on the basis of faith. Romans chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. First to the Jew and then to the Greek. And he says in verse 17. For therein, therein the gospel is the uh, righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. The just, the justified in Christ have the ability to live by faith. See, two brothers sitting at a boy's hangout. Both of them are married. The first guy says, guys, I have to leave. I have to go home. Because my wife said, 
if I don't get home by 7 p.m., I'll sleep outside. So cheers. And then he hits the road and he goes home. The second guy says, guys, I have to go home because I want to spend some time with my wife and I want to read a bedtime story to the kids and tuck them in. Boom, he takes off and he goes home. Question, if you go to the both guys' house, will you find the two men? I didn't hear that. So what's the difference? It's the motivation. The other one is under law. He's under the law. He's doing it because he has to. And his attitude will probably show it while he's doing it. The other one is under grace. He's doing it because he wants to. That's the difference between an Old Testament uh, person and a New Testament person. When we do what we do, we do it because we, we, we're compelled by the love of God that is on the inside of us. Because faith works by love. And I remember when I, was, uh, when I used to tithe on the basis of the law, I used to give God to the T, man. Like if it was 6,288.24. Just to make sure that I don't rob you, but also you don't rob me. Amen? And then I'd go back home and tick that box. The motivation is wrong. Amen? Over here in grace, you are, you are doing it motivated by love. You are doing it because you want to. And I can guarantee you, man, that guy who goes home uh, uh, before seven because the wife uh, uh, threatened him to kick him outside, he will get to the house at 6.59, 55 seconds, 56 seconds, 57, 58, 59, doom, he walks in. <laughs> and he's not guilty. But his motivation, his attitude is wrong. And God doesn't want it. God even says, man, if you offer your body to be burnt as a sacrifice and you don't do it motivated by love, it will profit you nothing. If you go to that house and walk in before 7 p.m., but you're not motivated by love and grace and you want to be there, it will profit you nothing. On the flip side, the guy who says, man, I want to be at home, will probably walk in at 6.11. If you're married, just hunt your partner and say, are you listening? (laughs) So what happened? Before faith came, we were kept under the law, the God by the law. Kept for the faith faith which would afterward be revealed. Next verse. Therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ. The law was to show you Christ. The law was to show you you can't do it in your own strength. Christ is the one who's going to do it for you. The Messiah. Amen? That we might be justified by faith. How are we justified by faith? By putting our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Man, you have to come to a place where you say, I can't keep it, but I'm so glad Jesus Christ did it for me. And you put your faith in that. See, people don't go to hell for their individual sins. The only reason people are going to go to hell is what they did with Jesus Christ. Did you put your trust in him or you put your trust in your own efforts? Because if you do, there is filthy rags in the eyes of God. Hallelujah. This is what makes Christianity different from all the other religions. All the other religions are self-help, self-airport. Christianity is the only religion, if you want to call it that. It's it's a relationship at core, but it's the only religion where you put your trust in a Savior and you're saved. He did it for you. 
Hallelujah. Second Corinthians chapter number 5 verse 21. Second Corinthians chapter number 5 verse 21. Watch what it says. For ye, capital letter H. Who might this be talking about? Jesus, right? For ye, he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. For who? So Jesus became sin for you. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This was on the basis of the transaction that took place on the cross. Your righteousness is not based on what you do. Your righteousness is based on what Jesus Christ did for you. Someone shout, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Regardless of what I have done or what I have not done. You know what this does? It takes away guilt and condemnation from your life. And you can walk into the throne room of grace. Remember last week? Boldly to obtain help in times of need. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. It's, it's called the almost too good to be true news. That's what that word gospel uh, means. In fact, it was only used less than five times in the whole Bible. Because there was not a situation that could warrant using the word gospel except Jesus Christ doing it for you for free. And all you have to do is believe in it and it, you become it without any effort. People would look at that and say, really, really? Yes, really. That's what Christ did for you. Hallelujah. The true grace of God is empowerment. It is a, a freedom from sin so that we can live boldly without any sense of guilt or inferiority. Amen? Well, Pastor T, you know, you're talking about this grace and, uh, you know, the law going out of the door and so on and so forth. Does this mean I can live any kind of way I want now that I'm under grace and not under the law? Let's find out. Jude chapter number 1, verse 4. Jude chapter number 1, verse 4. Someone shout, grace is not a license to sin. It's a freedom from sin. Please may I have it in the NIV. For certain men whose condemnation was written about a long ago have secretly slipped in among you. They are godless men who change the grace of our God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only sovereign and Lord. Grace is not a license to sin. When you fully understand grace, it is a freedom from sin. Grace takes away the, the power that sin has. In fact, the Bible says it like this. It says, the strength of sin is the law. If you want someone to sin more, preach the law at them. If you want your children to be naughty, always be saying, no, don't, no, don't, stop. No, don't, stop, no, don't. The very thing you're telling them, no, don't stop, is the very thing that they want to do. You know why? Because the law is the strength of sin. Grace is the empowerment to live above sin. 
What did he say in 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9? He said, my grace is sufficient. It is abundant to give you strength. Because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And he goes on to say in verse 10, when you're weak, I'm strong. And you know what that makes you? It makes you strong. And when you come to God and put your trust in the finished work of the cross, Micah chapter number 3 verse 10 says, And let the weak say, I am strong. You can now shout, I am strong, not because of your own strength, but because of the strength that grace imparts on you. Man, growing up, we used to uh, go to youth and, and do all kinds of stuff. And then this one time we went and the young preacher got up and he Man, he whipped us into a pile. He was just preaching the law. You sinners, you, you sinners, you are going to hell. Look at the music you listen to. Look at how you are dressed. Look at the magazines you are reading. You, you are going to burn. And, but you can save yourselves by coming next Friday. We're going to have a bonfire. And I want you to bring everything that you know that has been causing Problem, problems in your life, in your relationship with God, I want you to bring it and we will burn it. And you will be set free from it. And man, I was sitting there, I had a big box of cassette tapes. You remember cassette tapes? If you do, man, you, you just revealed your age, amen? I had a box, man, full of hip-hop music, rap music, man, Snoop, D-O-W-G, Wu-Tang Clan, man, those boys. I, 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 man, and, and I took the box. I went there, man. I said, this is causing me to sin. We burnt it. And I burned everything. Man, I was so emotional. I was fired up. You know, I went back. I went back, and in about two weeks, I started recollecting my music. <laughs> you know why? Because the law is the strength of sin. I wasn't delivered. But when someone came along and started teaching me about grace, he told me God loves you. He told me God has already empowered you to live above sin. Man, I, I put that cassette in the radio and I listened to it. I said, man, this is garbage. This is there's something about, you know, effortlessly. You know, before that, I could go into the club, man, and just dance. Have you ever been in a club? I mean, the atmosphere in the club, the, the atmosphere itself is crazy. You know, it, it promotes... Uh, 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 Adultery, it promotes uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, it just, it, it, the language is crazy. And I would walk into that place, man, and get excited. Just, yeah. This is, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and I was under the law. I would walk out uh, guilt tripped. The next day I would feel guilty and condemned. But next week I'm back at it, you know? And, and the pastors used to preach, man, it, you, you sin and repent. And when you repent, you're forgiven, you know? You, don't sin, repent. To us, it was like sin and repent, you know, because if you're going to repent, you need something to repent of, right? <laughs> so we would go back, you know, party so we can repent the next day, party, repent. And, and the one time, man, I started learning about grace and how much God loved me. I remember walking into the club and I couldn't fit. I was like, things have changed. What's different? You know, my appetite for that kind of life had gone overnight. Not because I was focusing on the law, but because grace empowers you to live above sin. Watch this, without effort. Grace is not only a freedom from sin, he just doesn't wash your uh, sins away, but he also gives you an empowerment to live above sin. So they didn't understand this in, in, in uh, Jude chapter number 1 verse 4. They didn't understand it. Let's go to Romans chapter number 6 from verse 1 to 2. 
Romans chapter number 6 from verse 1 to 2. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Certainly not. If you're reading in the King James Bible, it says, God forbid, which is a strong negative. It's a no, 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 no. That's not what we are saying. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? So you are dead to sin. What happened at the, uh, 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 when you got born again was Christ literally took away your old nature and gave you a new nature in him. And your old nature does not exist anymore. And this new nature, see your old nature at the core would compel you to sin. No matter how good of a person you are. At the core, it would push you to uh, uh, release hatred. Just push you to release uh, uh, fornication. Just push you to do crazy things. But now with this new nature, your old self is dead. And you have a new nature that compels you to release the fruit of the Spirit. Naturally, the thing that should be flowing out of you when you understand grace is kindness. Goodness. Meekness. Temperance. Long-suffering. Amen? That's your new nature. And it's, it's not a self-help effort. It's just your new nature. That's who you are. Because of who you are, you can't help it but just act that way. Just like you breathe in oxygen and release uh, carbon dioxide. It's the same thing. That's who you are in Christ. You can't help it but release love. Release kindness. Release not because of the law. Hallelujah. Is this making sense? What verse are we on? Verse 2. Okay, let's read verse 3. Or do you not know that as many of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? Next verse. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, someone say knowing this. this. You should know this. That the old man was crucified with him. Your old self is dead. Your old tempered, short tempered self is gone. Someone shout my old short tempered self. Is gone. Crucified with him. That's not who you are. That dude is gone. Amen. So that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should be no longer slaves of sin. Sin is dumb. You know why? Sin does not change your relationship with God. Because God has already forgiven all your sin. Past, present, and future. But sin opens a door for Satan to come into your life. It gives him an inroad. Don't you know the Bible says in Romans 6.16, don't you know that to whom you yield yourselves uh, uh, servants to, are you slaves of? Whether of sin unto death or of uh, obedience unto righteousness? What is he saying? He's saying, man, sin will bring problems in your life. Because everyone else will treat you based on your actions. 
God, to God, you are under the dispensation of grace. But to your husband, to your wife and to your children, you are still under the law. Man, you try it. You try and do something crazy and go back home and say, ah, you know, ah, I'm under grace. <laughs> you go over the speed limit and let the cops stop you. And they say, ah, chief, you are doing 70 and it's a 60 kilometer an hour zone. You say, ah, I'm sorry. I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. No, it doesn't work like that. Amen? Sin will cause problems. Sin will give Satan an inroad into your life. Your, your, your ministry will collapse. Your, your, your spouse will leave you. Your children will think you are a loser. God will still love you. You will make it to heaven. But we will treat you based on your, on your actions. Amen? Because sin will open a door for Satan to come into your life. And when he comes... We know what he's coming to do. John 10 verse 10. He comes to, to steal, to kill, and to... De- so st- sin, man, stay away from sin. Live under the empowerment of grace to win. Hallelujah. Next verse. For he who has died has been freed from sin. See? You've been freed from the dominion of sin. Next verse. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Next verse. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin how many times? Once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. That word reckon is an accounting term. He's saying declare it over your life. It's got nothing to do with your feelings. Pastor, I don't feel like I'm the righteousness of God. Reckon it. Just balance the books. That's what he's saying. Reckon yourselves also dead. To be dead indeed to sin. Someone shout, I am dead dead. to all sin. And all appetites of sin. Reckon yourself. Dead to sin. Hallelujah. But alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Next verse. Therefore, do not L-E-T. That word let means you have the authority or the power to do it or not do it. Every time you see the word let, God is trying to show you that you are in charge. Amen. So he's saying, do not do this. Don't let. Don't let sin reign or rule in your mortal body. That you should obey it in its last. Next verse. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Next verse. For sin shall not have dominion over you. Sin no longer has power. Sin shall not have dominion over you for. That word for, you can replace it with the word because. Can I do that? He's saying sin shall not have dominion over you because you are not under what? Okay, here's the deal. I want you to see something. Something that's conspicuous in its absence. 
You know, when you read scripture, you must read what it is not saying as well. I want you to see this. We can read it this way, right? For sin shall have dominion over you, for you are under the law. Did you see that? I just took the words not, N-O-T, from the first line and the second line. Sin will have dominion over you when you try to live on the basis of the law. It will dominate you. It will beat you to a pulp. Sin will win over you all the time when you try to live on the basis of do's and don'ts. But when you live on the basis of the freedom that you have in Christ, the grace of God which empowers you, you will win over sin all the time. Man, people that live uh, 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 Christianity based on rules will always lose. Because there's all, I mean, there's like multiple, thousands upon thousands of rules in Scripture that you can't keep. And He gave them for you to realize you can't keep them. But Jesus can keep them for you. And when you put your trust in Jesus, you have kept them. That's how it works. That's the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For sin shall no longer have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. So when you are under grace, sin cannot have dominion. Sin cannot control you. And I want you to look in your life. If you do the things that you do based on the law, motivated by the law, they are not well-pleasing before God. But when you do them motivated by grace, I do this because I want... Man, if you pray based on the law, you'll be going into the prayer closet complaining, feeling guilty, and hating it. But I... I have to pray three times a day anyway. And you get in there and be like, and then you check your phone, it's like, you check your watch, it's like, I've been praying for one minute, and you're like, ah. <laughs> but I need to push for an hour. <laughs> and you are doing it to just appease yourself and make yourself feel better. But it's not a relationship. And God doesn't want that. And man, if you are that kind of a person, sin will win over you all the time. But when you go into the throne room of grace, like, man, I want to hang out with God. I want to hang out with the Father. I'm not doing this because, I mean, I wouldn't want to go on dates with my wife just because it's Tuesday. Tuesday at 5 p.m., we go on a date. No, I want us to have the freedom, you know, to make decisions and to come out and be spontaneous. Just say, hey, let's do this. And then do it because we both want to do it. When it becomes a law, you start doing it, but you hate doing it. I don't know if you get what I'm trying to say. And there's a difference. You could be doing what you're doing, but make sure you're motivated by the grace of God and not by the law. Hallelujah. Uh, for we are not under the law, but we are under grace. Let's quickly now go to First John chapter number 3, verse 9 in the New Living Translation. So the grace of God is an empowerment to live the life of faith. Say that after me. The grace of God is an empowerment to live the life of faith. You need the grace of God. Your motivation is not the law. Your motivation is God's grace. Man, you will never see in the Old Testament law uh, 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 God saying, be generous or, or, or be kind. Everything in the Old Testament law says don't. Don't touch. Don't jump. Don't do this. Don't do this. The law is never a motivation to do something. 
The law is good and pure. It served its purpose, which was for you and I to realize we needed a savior. But beyond that, we are now under grace. Hallelujah. Watch what he says. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning. So when you're under grace, it doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes every once in a while. But when it's become a practice, when sin has become a practice, you know, where I grew up, uh, we used to have a group of men who would glory themselves in having a, an adulterous relationship. It was called a small house or a, a side chick. In South Africa, they glorified. They call him a, a blesser. <laughs> what a word. <laughs> Amen. What they're saying is you can practice this for about 10 years and be in it. And some of them cats go to church, you know, just to tick a box. But I know they're not under grace. They just need to get born again. Because if you are in God's family and you're under grace, you, you can't. It's not in your nature to, to make uh, a sin a practice. A practice. You know the lawyers? They, they, they practice law. What does that mean? That means that's what they do Monday to Friday. They, they, it's, it's a pra they're practitioners. There's a group of people that you know, practice sin. They're practitioners of sin. And God is saying, man, them, them, them dudes are not in, in my family. Because the ones in my family, it's not in their nature to make, it's not in their nature. It's, it's, it's just not them. Just like it's not in your nature to breathe uh, carbon dioxide, right? <laughs> and that's what God is saying. He's saying, man, it can't happen. Did you read this? Those who have been born into God's family do not make of sinning. They can't do it. He's not saying they don't make mistakes, but they, they don't stay there. That's right. They can't, you know, because they've been born into God's family. Watch else what he says. Because God's life is in them. And if God's life is in them, it changes everything about them. They are a different person. Man, I used to be short-tempered. And, and uh, the boys that I grew up with will tell you this, man. I, I, was the I was the one to throw the first punch. You know, while people are still talking, man, I, you, 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 you. <laughs> and then the life of God came on the inside of me. Uh, right now, I have bigger biceps, 21 inch, amen. <laughs> but I can't even throw, I can't even throw a punch. You know why? Because the nature has changed. It's, it's who I am at the core of my being. And who you are at the core of your being is a new creation. And, and, and because of that, what flows out of you is the life of God. You can't help it. Amen? So they can't keep on sinning. Because they are what? Children of God. They can't do it. It can't happen. Hallelujah. Let's go now to... Uh, Romans chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. Romans chapter number 1 from verse 16 to 17. Is this helping you? Yes. Preaching sin does not cure sin. That's why Jesus never commissioned us to preach people's mistakes. 
You know, I always see on social media people complaining and saying, how come these pastors don't preach about sin anymore? We were never commissioned to preach about sin. And I know some pastors who go graphic. They get graphic preaching about sin. You will see a man do this to their wife and that's the whole sermon. Heaven preached the gospel. You know what the gospel is? It's the almost too good to be true news. It should make me glad that I heard it when I respond to it. Not be guilt tripped into salvation. Man, the Bible says in Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God, not the evilness of your deeds. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. The only thing that will get men to change their ways is when they realize how good God is. Go out and don't preach sin. Go out and tell them how good God is. Tell them how loving God is. Tell them the finished work of the cross. And when you do so, the power of the gospel will bring salvation. But when you go out there and preach what they're messing up, when you preach the law, the Bible says the strength of sin is the law. You are making them worse. Do you know the reason why Joseph didn't sin when Potiphar's wife came to him? It was because he knew how good God had been to him. And this, is, this was his, his, his words. He said, man, why, can I, why would I do such a transgression against my God? Not against Potiphar, but against my God. Because he understood how good God was to him. When you go out there, if you want to preach the gospel, go out and tell people how good God is. And that will change the hearts of men quicker than you trying to guilt trip them. And tell them they are wrong. You think they don't know they are wrong? (laughs) You think they don't know they are in a wrong relationship? They know it. What they need to know is how good God is. And when they receive that revelation, it leads them to repentance. Hallelujah. Where did I tell you to go? Romans 1.16. Okay, watch what it says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. The gospel. That word gospel, again, we've talked about it. Almost too good to be true news. Of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Sozo, soterio. It is the power of God unto deliverance. It is the power of God unto uh, forgiveness of sin. It is the power of God unto prosperity. It is the power of God unto healing. It is the power of God unto snatching you from the uh, 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 claws of, of, of destruction. That's what it is. Salvation is all-encompassing. And it comes through the power of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone. Everyone who believes for the Jew first and also for the Greek. For therein, therein the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live, how? Not by the law, but by faith. Faith is your positive response to God's grace. Ephesians chapter number 2 verse 8 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. So when you have faith, your faith is simply responding to God's grace. Your faith is simply responding to God's grace in the different areas that he has given you a grace. In the area of healing, your faith is standing up, trusting that by his stripes you were healed. 
in the area of finances, your faith is responding to his grace by giving to him and trusting that God will give back to you good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Not because you are guilt-tripped, not because you are under coercion, not because you are under manipulation, but because you are responding positively to God's grace, which is God's empowerment for you to win. So your faith in and of itself will not win you battles. But your faith, your, your grace through faith, when you take your faith and respond to God's grace, you will win all the time. Because His grace will empower you to live above only and never beneath. Someone shout, I am forgiven. Say, all my sins are washed away by the blood of Jesus. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I therefore have no guilt, no condemnation, because Jesus Christ gave me as a gift his righteousness. Therefore, I have the root of righteousness, which produces the fruit of holiness. See, holiness is not a root, it's a fruit. It's a consequence of you having the gift of righteousness. Amen? I said amen. Therefore, I am righteous. Therefore, I am righteous. Therefore, I am righteous. See, some of you, uh, when you do your prayers, you believe in God for a better job, you believe in God for your business to go to the next level, there's a voice that whispers to you and tells you you're not good enough. Catch this revelation. Therefore, I am righteous. You know what that means? That means you're good enough. Not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus Christ did. And when that voice comes, you must shut it down. Because I am good enough. I am the righteousness of God. I'm not condemned. Oh, well, pastor, but I made a mistake last night. I made a mistake. It doesn't matter. Jesus took care of that. Step into his grace, and his grace will change your appetite. Don't let that stop you from going into the throne room of grace boldly. Hallelujah. Go in there boldly. Because when Jesus, when God looks at you right now, he sees Jesus. When you put your trust in Jesus, every time God looks at you, he sees Jesus. And do you think you would hold back some good things from Jesus? Neither will ye from you. Amen. For everyone else, we love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We love you. God bless you.